stand together as we read the word of the Lord together. All right. John chapter 1, starting in verse 14. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 14. We will read through verse 18. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him or interpreted him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you as we study it together. That Father, we know based on the promise of the word of God that it will accomplish in our hearts and in our lives what your will is and so father that's what we pray for this morning may the holy spirit go before us prepare our hearts father may we surrender ourselves to your leading in our hearts and father everything that's accomplished here we pray will bring honor and glory to the lord jesus for it's in his name we pray and ask it amen you can be seated so we spoke about verse 14 last Sunday morning, and we talked about the incarnation and what incarnate means. Incarnate means in flesh. Knowing that God left the portals of heaven through his son, Jesus Christ, to come and dwell among us. Thus you have the Old Testament word, Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So God came to dwell with us through his son, Jesus Christ, through the incarnation that you see in verse 14. And the Word became flesh, Jesus Christ being the Word. And so he became flesh and dwelt among us, had an earthly ministry here. And so what is the impact of the incarnation? That's the question that we ask ourselves. So what was, this, what was the impact that the incarnation had when Jesus Christ appeared during his earthly ministry what took place well there's a couple of things that i want to share with you today and here's the first one grace triumphed over the law grace triumphed over the law when you look at verse 15 through 18 and notice again what john wrote john testified about him and cried out saying this is he of whom i said he who comes after me has a higher rank than i for he existed before me for of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Now I know there's a lot of people out there who think that the law was a bad thing. There are a lot of Christians who teach that the law was a bad thing. And matter of fact, that the law within itself was not good so God decided to destroy and get rid of the law okay and to send Jesus Christ well I hate to tell you this but God did not decide to get rid of the law matter of fact Jesus himself said I have come to fulfill the law totally all of its fulfillment within Jesus Christ and his earthly ministry and so when we think about the 
impact of the incarnation and what it physically meant when it comes to the situation that we find ourselves in as we come to the New Testament let me say this the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good so don't ever think that it was a bad thing don't ever think for a moment that God just saw that it was not good and so therefore it was going to be completely destroyed matter of fact take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 7 and verse number 7 the Apostle Paul writes about the law specifically Romans chapter 7 and verse number 7 matter of fact there have been even some who teach that the law is sin well that's not the case matter of fact Paul himself asked the question in Romans chapter 7 and verse number 7 what shall we say then is the law sin and notice what Paul responds with may it never be on the contrary I would not have come to know sin except through the law for I would not have known about coveting if the law had not said you shall not covet and so Paul makes reference here that the law is not sin by any means and matter of fact it's just the contrary but when you consider the law this morning and what John is recording for us in John chapter number one the law itself was not an instrument of grace the law itself and within itself was not an instrument of grace one of the things that we need to understand concerning this is God granted grace and forgiveness based upon what Christ would do and you say well how do we know that well let's go to Acts chapter 13 now we're getting ready to go through a lot of verses of scripture here and I want you to just pay close attention as we go through all right this is from the word of God itself Acts chapter 13 beginning in verse 36 Acts chapter 13 beginning in verse 36 for David after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation fell asleep and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay but he whom God raised did not undergo decay therefore let it be known to you brethren that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you and through him everyone who believes is freed from all things now notice the last statement in verse 39 from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses that is substantial you could not be freed through the law of Moses and let me tell you one of the reasons because you couldn't keep all of it and matter of fact we would break the very first commandment itself and so therefore here's what the scripture says you break one of them you're guilty of it all and so therefore when it comes to the law from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses let's go to Romans chapter 3 Romans chapter 3 Romans chapter 3 
verse 19 and verse 20. Matter of fact, let's just do this. We'll read down through verse 22, okay? Beginning in verse 19. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. The law is the schoolmaster. The law is what points us to sin. The law is what allows us to know about sin. Verse 21, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested or revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all of those who believe for there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and Paul continues the subject so we see that the law there is no flesh justified under the law let's go to Galatians chapter 2 Galatians chapter 2 Paul writing about this to the church at Galatia Galatians chapter number 2. Galatians chapter 2, verse 15 to verse 16. Galatians chapter 2, verse 15 through verse 16. We are Jews by nature and not sinners from among the Gentiles. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ or in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. And you ought to underline this next part. Since though by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Period that's not enough let's go to Hebrews I told y'all you'd need your Bibles this morning Hebrews chapter number 10 Hebrews chapter number 10 and you've often heard it said that if the law could have accomplished what was necessary then there would have been no need for Jesus Christ to have come in the flesh. For God to have come in the flesh through his son. There would have been no need for it. Okay, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1 through 4 is going to make that very clear. For the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, can never by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year notice this make perfect those who draw near otherwise would they not have ceased to be offered if they could have accomplished what was necessary then wouldn't they still be offered today and notice what the writer of Hebrews goes on to say because the worshipers having once been cleansed would no longer have had consciousness of sins but in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins year by year 
And I want you to notice verse 4. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come, and the scroll of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. So if the sacrifices in the law could have accomplished it, then why did Jesus Christ come? Well, here's what he brought. He brought the full realization of grace and truth. John chapter 1, go back to John chapter 1, and now you'll understand the statement in verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, grace, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. What did he bring? He brought the full realization of grace and truth. Why do you think in John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the embodiment of truth. That's who he was. Matter of fact, in John chapter 18, when Jesus stood in front of Pilate, Pilate asked him a simple question. What is truth? Truth was standing right in front of him. Jesus Christ, when he came in the incarnation, brought the full realization of grace and truth. Let's go back to Romans chapter 3 and verse 24. Romans chapter 3. And verse 24. You know, we kind of stopped at verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Let me, let me, just, let me clarify that for you for just a moment. Okay, that means everybody. I don't care who you are. We're all sinners. Every one of us. And the word makes that very clear. But then you come to verse 24. And the full realization of grace and truth being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith the appeasement that was necessary the only thing that could bring appeasement to the wrath of God had to be a sinless perfect sacrifice the final one was brought. The last part of verse 25, this was to demonstrate what? His righteousness. Because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. In other words, it was just a covering. There is only one way that our sins can be completely removed, and that's through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ himself. And it's through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary that you and I could fully understand and embrace really what grace and truth is all about. And let me say this, there is no salvation grace except to those who believe the truth of the gospel. It's not available to anyone other than that. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. I tell you what, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 first. And then we'll go back to chapter number 1. Ephesians chapter 2. Let 
Only one way we can be saved. Ephesians chapter number 2. Verse 8 and verse 9 makes it very clear. For by grace you have been saved through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. And I want you to notice the last part of verse 8. Why? It's the gift of God. And then when you come to verse number 9, he makes it real clear and very plain. Not of works. The law was about keeping the law. The law brought about all of those functions of the law and all of the sacrifices and all of those things that had to, pay, that had to take place. And my dear friend, today, there is absolutely nothing you can do to work your way to heaven. Absolutely nothing. Not of works. Why? Because here's what could take place. If we were able to become right with God based upon what you and I've done, then let me tell you something. Then we would have room to be able to boast about it. But look what I did. Look what I accomplished. Look what took place. Boasting is completely removed here because it is the gift of grace. Look back at chapter 1 of Ephesians and look at verse 18. I'm sorry, verse 13. I just read 18 and I said, wait a minute. That, what does that have to do with what we're talking about here? Verse 13, okay? I don't know. Something's been happening lately. I, I don't know if it's my eyes, Okay? because I know I'm not old enough to have any eye problems yet. <laughs> that an 8 and a 3 looks the same? Okay. Look at verse 13. Okay? Chapter 1 and verse 13. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. The message of truth. The gospel of your salvation. So number two. First of all, grace triumphed over the law. Number two, God is, God is revealed through Jesus Christ. Let's go back to John chapter number one. God is revealed through Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 and verse 18. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained let me give you just a little quick, a uh, little quick, a uh, little quick. That's because I want to share a Greek word with you. So therefore, what you will see, they were already running together and they come out as one, okay?
I think I better get back to the Word, okay? There's an interesting word in verse 18. It's the word interpreted or explained. It actually comes from the Greek word exegemi. From where we get our English word exegesis. Okay? I know that sounds like a like a big word, okay? Let me just explain to you what exegesis is. The English word exegesis means basically to interpret. And so when you consider the magnitude of verse 18, basically Jesus Christ himself exegeted God. In other words, interpreted God. Matter of fact, God is revealed through Jesus Christ. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Paul writing on this same subject to the church at Colossae. Colossians chapter number 1. And I tell you what, let's just let's start in verse 13 so that you get the context of it all. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now I want you to pay specific attention to verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. And let me tell you the significance of that word image of the invisible God. He was an exact. He was the exact representation and revelation of God himself. That is the significance of verse 15. The firstborn of all creation. Now, wait a minute. You're, you're saying, wait, well, he was created. And he was created at the beginning. Let me tell you what that means. Let me give you the context of verse 15, okay? In other words, the firstborn of all creation, that Greek word there deals with status, not time. And so, therefore, he was present prior to all of creation. Let me say, Jesus Christ is not a created being. He's always been. He is the exact representation and revelation of God himself. That's who he is. He's not just some other prophet. He's not just some other good teacher. He is not someone who just lived on the face of the earth and taught moral teachings and all of those. He is God in the flesh. That's who he is. The exact representation, the exact revelation of who God is. That's who he is. I'm going to tell you something. That don't do anything for you. I, I don't know what to tell you. Next, let's go to John chapter 14, verse 7 through 9, verse 9. Let me tell you what it makes me want to do. I better not say it. I'll go ahead and say it. It makes me just want to run some laps around the inside of the auditorium in here. Can I get an amen? amen? Are you ready for this? This one? Somebody said do it. Who said do it? Uh-huh. I see people pointing all this direction. Okay? All right. John chapter 14, verse 7 through verse number 9. 
God became most fully known because Jesus explained him. John chapter 14. I want you to notice verse 7 through verse number 9. Notice what he says. If you'd have known me, guess who you would have known? You'd have known my father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Why would Jesus make that statement? I will tell you why. He's the exact representation and revelation of God himself. So here's what he tells his disciples. That's who I am. And then Philip said to him in verse number 8, Lord, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. He's standing in front of you, Philip. When you look at verse number 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? In other words, don't you really know and understand who I am? And then in the end of verse number 9, He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? You see that? That's who He is. He's God in the flesh. Incarnation. God in the flesh. Or in flesh. That's who He is. Standing in front of them was God in the flesh. The exact representation and revelation of who God is. And I will say this this morning. Jesus Christ is the only one qualified to exegete or to interpret God to man. If you want to know the Father, there's only one way you're going to know Him. And that's through Jesus Christ, His Son. That's why in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. And here's what he went on to say. No man comes to the Father but by me. So when we look at the culmination of all of this and the magnitude of this grace and truth that John speaks of in John chapter number 1, let me tell you what it ought to do for us. Do you understand what you have in your salvation this morning? Do you understand that under the law, under, under the law itself, it was nothing but a schoolmaster. It, it pointed always, and I'm going to say this about the law. Was the law holy and righteous? Sure, it pointed us to sin. And are you ready for this? Everything under the law. All of the sacrifices, the festivals, the feast. Guess who they pointed to? The one who was coming. Jesus Christ himself. They all pointed toward the cross. They all pointed towards Jesus Christ. And for us today, we look back on the cross. They all looked forward to the cross. So what do you do with John chapter 1, verse 1 through verse 18? What is the significance of it in the life of the believer? What can you draw from John chapter 1, verse 1 through verse 18? Well, let me just kind of give you four things real quickly this morning that you can draw from John chapter 1, verse 1 through verse 18. This one is substantial. It's found in verse number 1. Jesus was with the Father. He was with God from all of eternity in the beginning was the word 
And the Word was with God. So we know from the Scripture itself that Jesus Christ was with the Father from all of eternity. Is that substantial? Sure it is. Because there are a lot of teaching out there today, and there are those who teach that Jesus Christ was created. He was not. He was present from all of creation. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and verse 28. Let us, us, plural pronoun of us, speaking of all three present at the time of creation. Let us make man in our image. So we know that he was there. We know that he was present. Number two, the word became flesh. God, Emmanuel, God with us in the flesh. God himself come to dwell among us through his son, Jesus Christ, the only begotten of the Father. Significant? Yes. Why? Because you and I would have no hope today outside of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He came for what reason? Well, Jesus said, I've come. I've come to do what? To give my life a ransom for many. Did he willingly lay down his life? He did. Matter of fact, Jesus said, no man takes my life unless I lay it down or give it willingly. So when we consider the magnitude of the word becoming flesh, he knew where he was going. Luke 19.10, Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. He knew why he was here. And I have people tell me this all the time. Well, you know, he didn't know for sure that that was where he was headed. Really? Okay. Then number three. Jesus brought the full expression of grace and truth to mankind. He is the full expression of grace and truth. Two years. Grace. <laughs> I know people try to define grace. I don't think you and I ever will ever get our hands and arms around the magnitude of the word grace. Because I will tell you this morning, <clears throat> and this is speaking personally of me, okay? I by no means in no way am deserving of his love and his grace but it's because of his grace and because of his love that I can have a relationship with him. Do we understand the significance of that relationship? God's a relational being. God desires to have a relationship with us. But my dear friend, I hate to tell you this, there's only one way you're going to have it, and that's through Jesus Christ. It's the only way that that relationship can be put back in place to where it was. Then finally, he revealed God to man. Matter of fact, he told him, told Philip, 
Philip, how long have I been with you? You don't know who I am. We know from the word of God that he is the exact representation and revelation of God the Father. That's who he is. Do you realize that one day we're going to get to spend all of eternity with him? Huh? Now do you understand the impact of the incarnation? The impact of the incarnation alone for us is substantial as I've thought about this subject over the last two or three weeks let me share with you what it still does for me I still just stand in awe of who he is I stand in awe that I can call him father and I stand in awe of his grace but I want to ask you a question this morning I, I, just, I want to ask you a simple question before I pray simple question it's not difficult and it's my concern for you and here's my question do you know for sure that you have been born again? Do you know for sure that you're saved? Do you know that for sure? If you don't, if you don't, I urge you today, I urge you today, to consider Jesus Christ and who he is consider our sin and the magnitude of our sin before a holy and a righteous God and there is only one way that that wrath can be appeased and that's through Jesus Christ the Lamb of God let's bow our heads together as we pray Father we love you we thank you for the privilege that we have to serve you. Father, we, have, we, we thank you for the privilege that we have just to praise you. Father, I thank you for the privilege that we can know you and know you in a personal, intimate way. And Father, I pray for all of those who are seated in this auditorium this morning. Father, I pray. that as we look deep within our own hearts do we know you and Father I pray if that answer is I don't know for sure I don't know Father I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to their heart Father through your word they would come to understand and realize that they're a sinner lost, condemned already before a holy and a righteous God but Father I thank you that Jesus Christ came in the flesh and dwelt among us died a heinous death on the cross of Calvary three days later rose again 
making it possible for the propitiation or the appeasement of a debt we could never pay ourselves. So, Father, this time, this morning, we place into your hands. May your will be done in the hearts and lives of all those who are here. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand together with me. The Red's going to come lead us in a hymn of invitation this morning. And as he does, I want you to step out and come this morning. Brother Ray. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come, just as I am, and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark plot to blood can cleanse each spot O Lamb of God I come I come I come broken to be mended I come wounded to be healed I come rescued to be rescued I come empty to be filled. I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of Calvary's Lamb. And I'm welcome with open arms. Praise God, just as I am. Just as I am. Thou wilt receive, wilt welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve, because thy promise I believe, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, thy love unknown hath broken every barrier down. Now to be thine, yea, thine alone, O Lamb of God, I come. I come, I come broken to be mended, I come wounded to be healed, 
I come desperate to be rescued. I come empty to be filled. I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of Christ the Lamb. And I'm welcome with open arms. Praise God, just as I am, just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fightings within. And fears without, O Lamb of God, I come, I come, just as I am, poor, wretched, blind, sight, riches, healing of the mind. Yea, all I need in Thee to find, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. I come broken to be mended. I come wounded to be healed. I come desperate to be rescued. I come empty to be filled. I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of Christ the Lamb. And I'm welcome with open arms. Praise God, just as I am. As we come to get back to the time, as we come to the time to get back to our Lord, may we reflect on the goodness that He has given to us. Remember, there was five ways to give there on the screen behind you, there on the screen at home for you to look at. But ushers may come down forward to receive the offering as I pray. Father God in heaven, we come before you, Lord Jesus, thanking you for your many blessings of life, thanking you for the gifts that you have given us, Father God. Father, as we come to this time to give back to you, Father God, I pray that we'd give cheerfully and willfully, Father God. And Father, that the giving of these gifts would go to the further your kingdom, Father God. And they would be used with great wisdom and great discernment so that people would have the opportunity to share you and to come to know you, Father. May you be glorified and lifted up in Jesus' name. Amen.
There we go. Now you can hear me. I was looking out across the auditorium this morning, and I noticed a couple of faces here. It's so good to see Ronnie and Miss Donna Jo sitting back over there. He has been through uh, a lot of things, and Ronnie, it's good to see y'all back uh, this morning. And then also Brother E.L. Smith sitting right back here as well, and it's good to see Brother E.L. and Miss Karen back here with us this morning and everything he's been through. And we want to give God the praise and the glory. Uh, for all of it. And I'm going to ask you to stand together. We'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. Don't forget tonight, 6 o'clock, we'll be dealing with objection number 7. Can I have doubt and still be a Christian? Hmm. Oh, yes. Brother Ed is here. Brother Ed in Loaf. So good to see Brother Ed here. And the others, did I miss anybody? I'm, I'm scanning across the auditorium. I don't see a lot of them right up front they're all right here anybody else but it is good to see everybody all right praise the lord let's have a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed amen father we love you we thank you for the privilege that we have to know you through your son jesus christ the incarnate word and we ask all of this in his precious name and for his sake amen you're dismissed